Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast presented by me, John. And me, Louise. We have been fascinated by spooky goings-on since we can remember and wanted to share with you the stories that pique our interest. Now, shout-outs to the fabulous new followers with us on Instagram and YouTube and all the lovely comments. Sarah, a.k.a. Bookish Predator, Debbie, Taz, Nan, Tina, Megan, Scarlett, Graham, Sue of Vern Farms and Emily. A big shout out to all our new listeners and particularly Andy and Shannon from Canada. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Today's story is of hauntings, possession, poltergeist, psychological manipulation and an unexpected twist. It's the spooky tale of haunted things. Okay, what do you mean by haunted things? Well, it's where objects themselves are haunted by a spirit of some sort. Normally not nice ones. There's not many tales of haunted things that open doors for people if they've got armfuls of washing or a tray of drinks, for example. Shame. But then I guess ghosts wouldn't have their spooky reputation if they regularly popped the washing on or vacuumed round a bit. Good point well made. So, most of these things or objects are said to be possessed by a not-so-helpful spirit. Most of the stories in this episode come from the adventures of a paranormal researcher called John Zaffis and his books, which we will note in the show notes. Let's begin by looking at the story of the mirror head. What? Is that a head that's a mirror? Yes, that's what I wondered when I first read the title. It's a severed head of a mannequin. Which, in itself, is a bit spooky-sounding. Yes, the severed head of a mannequin, which is decorated, if that's the right word, with shards of mirrors as its skin. Oh, so broken mirrors? Well, that's asking for trouble for a start. Seven years of it, at least. Yes, for the mirror smasher, at least. It wasn't totally covered in shards of mirror. The mirror mosaic went over the nose and ended mid-cheek. A little like a half-face mask that you might have if you went to a masked ball. So the lower half of the face was exposed mannequin. Yes, painted a very dark black. As opposed to a light black? Well, you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Just very black and matte, seemingly no light escaping from it. This included the eye sockets, two dark abysses. Semi-precious stones wrapped in silver wire were wrapped around what there was of a neck and around the top of the head there was a large quartz crystal. So where was this mirror head? Well, we are introduced to it in the window of a second-hand sort of antique shop in a town in the USA. Most people did not appreciate the head's quirkiness and did not purchase the item. However, one day... A couple of middle-aged tourists were walking by and the lady, we'll call her Angela, was struck by this unusual piece in the window. The man, let's call him Jim, he was ready to move on, already bored. However, Angela was interested and wanted to go into the shop to have a look. Wearily, Jim followed. The shop assistant brought the head from the window to the desk for the couple to have a look. She was not able to give any history except that the previous owner had got it on the coast, possibly as a gift. 
Angela picked it up and discovered that the back of the head was hollow, with small quartz crystals and more mirrored shards stuck in the opening, and get this, a crucifix dangling from the tangle of wires entwined round the tie back of the head. And that didn't put her off. A dangling crucifix at the back of a mannequin's head didn't make her think, I'll just wander past. So when she asked the shop assistant for more information, like why there was a crucifix... Good question, Angela. (laughs) Yes. She could give no further information or assurance other than to say it was artistic. Well, that's one word for it. (laughs) That's right. Regardless, Angela was taken with the unique object. Indeed, it was unique. And she decided it would be more of a conversation piece for their home. (laughs) She's not wrong. (laughs) So Jim managed to get a good price. A little too easily, he thought. And off they went with their new conversation piece. And as they left the shop and were walking down the road, Angela glanced back and saw something she had not expected. What was that? The shop assistant backflipping down the road going, Suckers! Well, something a little similar. She, this, the shop assistant was uh, waving a lighted bundle of sage in the window and she could see her lips moving in what Angela thought was maybe a prayer. Oh no, Angela didn't just think, uh, I'm going to take that right back and just give it back to her and say, no, no, keep the cash. I agree. It really doesn't bode well to see the shop assistant uh, sort of doing some sort of cleansing ceremony. So an exorcism as to where you've just bought <laughs> <what>. something. <laughs> so what happened next? So Angela and Jim got back to their home and Angela set about finding the perfect spot for which turned out to be on a table in the lounge. She noticed how oddly cold the head was, as if it had been kept in a fridge overnight, even though the room was warm. Angela was not quite happy. It needed something else. So she got a large mirror and hung it over the top of the head, which complemented the mirror on the other wall, which directly reflected the head. She could now see a different angle of the head from anywhere in the room. Finally, she placed some potted plants on the table. Can you guess what happened next? The plants died. Got it in one. After three days, they died. It wasn't a steady decline either, but one minute they were fine and the next, they looked like they hadn't had water for weeks. They were dry and crinkly. Angela, perplexed by this, and with little sympathy from the family, who were already on the it's super creepy, get it out of here side of the fence. I'm kind of with the family. She decided it was odd, but one of those things, and bought fresh new plants, bursting with vitality to go round the head. Can you guess what happened next? They died. The plants, that is. They died. Anyway, yes, two for two. So Angela wondered what else she could put there that stood a better chance of surviving. Or... Take it out of the room, Angela. Take it out of the room. As she entered the living room, she thought she saw a shadow in the corner of her eye dart across the room. The shadow was about three feet tall. Yes, take take it out of the room, Angela. Angela, I'm just saying to you now. Take it out of the room. Wise words. Angela brushed it off as a trick of the light. It's never a trick of the light. But very soon after, she started to feel sick. Again, she brushed it off as probably something she ate for breakfast. Later, as she stared at the head, puzzled as to what she could use, she heard a thought in her head that was not her own. What do you mean? 
it was as if the head was placing a thought in Angela's head. What was the thought? I don't like plants. Well, actually, that's right. And it also said to Angela, I don't like you. The thought was so forceful that she staggered backwards. The experience unnerved her. I'm not surprised it would unnerve me. If something inanimate was putting thoughts into my head and telling me I'm not particularly keen on you, I'm thinking I'm taking it out of the room. She was so unnerved, in fact, that she avoided spending time in the lounge. Whenever she did have to go, and she hurried through and always saw the three-foot-high shadow dart across the room. The rest of Angela's family didn't go in the room anymore either. In fact, the room was now cold and had an unpleasant atmosphere. Angela made an exception to this rule, though, when they had guests round for dinner. Yes, I always take guests to the least comfortable room in the house. I think, why take them to somewhere comfortable that feels nice? Let's take them to the room that's a bit cold and nobody likes being in. Do you not think that's the nicest thing you can do? Yeah, well, she thought it might be nice to have drinks and pre-dinner snacks in the cold forbidding room with the three-foot shadow and the giant plant-hating mirror head. Why on earth did she think that was a good idea? She didn't like the friends. She wanted to make clear that she didn't like the friend and didn't want them to come back ever again. Oh, goodness only knows. Probably thought that the mirror head would be a talking piece, you know, wanted to get their money's worth from the purchase. That's how I like to view pieces. I only consider them worthwhile if people talk about them. Yeah, and if they impress your friends, that sort of thing. (laughs) Yes. And were the the friends impressed? Uh, No, they were completely, totally and utterly creeped out. Uh, And they all had to decamp to the family room and make a nice cosy fire to put the friends at ease. Did anything else happen that night with the friends? No, but soon after... The nightmares started. Oh, who for? Angela? No, not just Angela, the whole family. One night, Angela was gently awoken by their youngest daughter, Ali. Ah! Mom! Ah! Like that. That's how I'm gently woken by my son. Yes. Mom! I think it was probably exactly like that, yes. And, and she said she was having bad dreams and that something was in her room. Jim, the husband who had been woken also. Yes, she didn't quietly go, Mom, Mom, I'm not sleeping well. She was like, Mom, Mom! That's right. Well, he leapt out of bed, was down the hall to Ali's bedroom, where he found absolutely nothing. Ali described her nightmare. She described small, ugly beings were ripping up humans with long knives. Oh, my goodness! And when she woke up, she saw a three-foot shadow standing in front of her. Although it had no eyes, Ali said that she knew it was looking at her. Oh, that's so creepy! Then the older sister, Carolyn, who had heard all the noise, came running into Ali's room. You know what? What? Carolyn had had the exact same dream and... Yes? She had also seen the three-foot shadow around the house. Jim assured the girls that it was just nasty dreams. Nasty nightmares, but all quite normal. And the shadows were the product of their imagination. Do you know, I really wouldn't have. I'd have been been shrieking. I'm not going to lie. I'd have been shrieking, going, Get rid of it! Personally. I mean, obviously, in the middle of the night, that's not helpful. I'm not the person to go to in the middle of the night. (laughs) Okay, well, that's that's noted. (laughs) 
<laughs> not the person to be woken awake with scary nightmares that the whole family's experiencing. Don't expect me to be calm. Okay. Well, Angela, uh, she thought that um, it would alarm the girls if she'd said anything about the shadows that she'd seen. So she didn't tell them that she'd seen the shadows as well? No, she did not. Okay, gosh, what happened next? Well, Ali's nightmares continued. Dark, horrible, violent dreams with blood and body parts waking her up every night. Were they watching what she was eating or reading? Hmm, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't comment on that one. She was eating cheese before bed, you know what they say. Yes, or watching sort of... Really horror, horror films, horror films yeah. yes. And every time she woke, she saw the shadow disappear through the wall. Then Jim started having nightmares and saw the dreaded shadow rapidly moving away. Ali no longer wanted to sleep on her own, so they made space for her in Carolyn's room. But the nightmares of blood and body parts continued. Oh my goodness. So what did they do? Did they move out? No, 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 they didn't do that. You see, they didn't know what was happening. Then, things started to really go wrong for them. A string of bad luck. Small things at first. School and work were difficult. Items around the house broke. They couldn't work out how they could fall off the shelves and break on the soft carpet. But they did. It even caused arguments between the girls who accused each other of breaking their stuff. Then electrical appliances stopped working. Cars broke down. Every member of the household got ill with respiratory problems and Angela felt fatigued all the time. Jim got constant headaches that he couldn't shift. They all felt grumpy and snapped at each other. Then they started to hear scratching sounds on the walls at night. Oh, I'm sorry. That would really freak me out. I mean, not that the nightmares and and freaky shadows going everywhere wouldn't freak me out, but that, oh, scratching on the walls. Oh, oh, no. Well, they assumed it was small rodents, so they called a Terminator. Oh, sorry, not a Terminator. I mean, an ex-Terminator. I'm not sure how helpful that would be, actually. If you want your house to be remaining, calling a Terminator. Or even an ex-Terminator. One that's retired or been fired or something. It's quite extreme, that, isn't it? I wouldn't want to come across a Terminator who'd been fired. No, I wouldn't. Anyway, so, I I mean, of course, someone who gets rid of rodents and bugs. They came and said they had no infestation or signs of rodents anywhere. Now the shadows were multiplying and many were seen at once, leaving a heavy and depressing atmosphere wherever they went. I can't believe they're just putting up with it. Well, that changed when one day as Angela was walking through the lounge, she saw the mirrored head in the mirrors that were either side of it. And then it dawned on her. It was the mirror head! (gasps) Finally! Yes, that's what's been causing all the trouble. The nightmares, the shadows, the bad feelings, the bad luck. At last! So, what did they do? Well, uh, nothing to begin with, as she did not believe in the paranormal, so she just couldn't quite continue to convince herself that this mirror head could be the source of all the happening in the house and what was happening to them personally. She discussed it with Jim. Who didn't know either, but he definitely wanted to throw the mirror head away or destroy it. Yes, believe Jim, Angela, believe Jim. Angela didn't think that that was a very good idea. No, Angela, no. She had the feeling that throwing it away or destroying it would make it worse. Okay. 
okay, I could see that. That whatever was possessing it would stay with them, even possess one of the family. Oh, gosh. So finally, they called for help. They called for the Ghostbusters. Well, in this case, it was an expert in his field called John Saffis. An expert in the field of possessed mirrored heads. Quite niche. (laughs) Well, of haunted things or haunted objects. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so I say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to broaden it. Yes. I want to broaden it, John. He, he, yes, if it was his main living. <laughs> yes, exactly. He might be waiting by the was, phone for a while. If it's just a, you know, you know, just a little sideline and interest, well, fair enough. Good to specialise. Yeah, absolutely. Become the specialist in the field. Anyway, yeah. I'll leave John alone. Okay. So John Zaffis, he's a paranormal researcher of over 40 years' experience who specialises in haunted things. And he starred in his own documentary TV series called Haunted Collector. Well, he sounds the right person for the job, then. Absolutely. Indeed. And he took one look at the mirrored head and the mirrors that surrounded the head and pronounced that it could be a low-level demonic-type spirit or maybe something more powerful. He was going in quite strong, though, wasn't he, really? He didn't ease into the conversation and go, interesting, let me have a sense. (laughs) From his point of view, it was textbook, the type of phenomena that the family had experienced. In particular, the position of the mirrors looking at each other, positioned around the head, made the situation a whole lot worse. He told Angela that mirrors are doorways for spirits to enter the world. A head with many broken bits of mirror was a many-faceted doorway for spirits and cursed with bad luck. The mirrors looking at each other would magnify the effect of the head and provided powerful openings for the spirits. And now, just considering all the mirrors that we have in the house, I'm wondering, are they correctly placed? Well, it's a miracle they didn't have an army of shadow creatures roaming the house with that many mirrors and broken mirrors. One of the things that they say after someone has died, if they've died in the house, is to quickly go and cover the mirrors because the spirit might get trapped in the mirror. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Is it if they die in the house? Yes, not if just they die in the house. house. Yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting. Anyway, John told Angela that if they had let it continue... It would have just got worse and worse for them, leading up to a full possession of one of the family. God, he's a bright spark, isn't he? He's a person to have around in a crisis. (laughs) Tells you all the grim things that could happen. He could have killed you! Yes, well, so it proved, though, that Angela was right in her feeling not to destroy it. Yes, that's true. Because John said that he would, uh, and he said that he would take it away, uh, the head, that is, and make sure that it never bothered anyone ever again. Good man. He also offered to cleanse the mirrors on the wall and warned never to hang mirrors that look into each other. So how did he treat the mirror and the head then? Well, for the mirrors, he said prayers over them and treated them with sea salt, molten probably, Yes. and holy water. The mirror... They need quite a lot of it, so maybe he went for a generic brand. Well, that's true, yeah, it'd be cheaper, wouldn't it? Yeah. The mirrored head, he wrapped up carefully and placed it in a box... And back at his home, he unwrapped it and placed it outside with lashings of sea salt and yeah. holy water. I reckon generic sea salt and generic holy water. Yes. Well, how can you get generic holy water? <laughs> I don't know it's how not you like get you get it in Tesco's or something. <laughs> I don't know how you get holy water anyway, do you? <laughs> and how do you get a lot of holy water? Well, I suppose if you go with sort of, you know, big jerry cans to the church <laughs> and say, here, bless this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, so basically uh, he had it outside with lashings of sea salt and holy water whilst saying binding prayers over it to contain the entity. What are binding prayers? Well, well, binding prayers act like energetic bonds or chains, preventing the attached spirit from getting loose and affecting people or an environment. He then left the head in the sunlight for several days with the theory that sunlight would cleanse and purify the negativity. John then placed the head in his Museum of the Paranormal, a collection of haunted objects. A museum of haunted things. His collection of haunted things had been built up over 30 years of investigations. How many objects are there? Thousands. He gets them as a result of an investigation, like with the mirrored head. Or people send them to him anonymously in the post. What sort of things are they? Well, all sorts. Jewellery, normal household objects such as a mirror or a child's doll. Oh, that sounds super creepy. Well, there is a super creepy story of a doll called Annabelle who used to move of its own accord and write notes in crayon to their owner. Seriously? Yep. It was investigated by another Haunted Things collector, a famous pair of paranormal and psychic researchers called Ed and Lorraine Warren. In 1970... A mother bought an antique Raggedy Ann doll for her daughter's birthday, Donna, who was just about to graduate from nursing college. She lived in a tiny apartment with her roommate, Angie. And it didn't take long before they realised something was odd and creepy about the doll. It moved rooms. Donna would leave it in the lounge and it would be back in the bedroom upon her return from work. Sometimes it was found with legs, crossed, arms folded, and even standing up. Then they began to find messages written in crayon on parchment paper, which was odd, because they didn't have any parchment paper. Oh my word, all of it's odd. So what did the messages say? Help us, and help Lou. Oh no, and they weren't thinking, right, okay, bye bye doll. <laughs> yeah, so, well, the handwriting looked like that of a small child. Oh, okay. Things took a turn for the really weird and macabre when she came home to find the doll with spots of blood on the hands and chest. Oh, my word. Well, this completely freaked them out, so they called a medium. No, no, get rid of the doll. Well, yes, the medium told them that the doll was indeed possessed. Yes, get rid of the doll. By a young girl called Annabelle Higgins, who had lived on the property before the apartments were built. Yes, get rid of the doll. The medium told them that Annabelle was comforted by Donna and Angie and wanted to stay with them because she felt loved. Oh no, don't tell me that they let it stay! They felt sorry for poor Annabelle and so did let the spirit of Annabelle stay inhabited in the doll. Oh, go on then, what happened? Well, what makes you think anything bad happened? Well, well <laughs> it doesn't sound like something good happened. Well, okay, seeing as you asked. A friend of Donna's called Lou was staying. Remember the note, help Lou? He had always disliked the doll. And good man with a good taste. Yes, and he thought that it was wrong to keep it. Uh, see, good man with good taste. He awoke one night with yet after yet another awful dream. Something was wrong, but he didn't know what. Then he saw it. Looking down at his feet, he saw the doll, Annabelle. Oh, this can't be good. He saw Annabelle crawling up the bed oh. and over his chest. Oh, no. Suddenly the doll was strangling him and he was paralysed and he was gasping for breath and then he blacked out. 
He awoke the next morning, convinced it was not a dream. The next day, in the apartment, they heard rustling sounds in Donna's room, and it sounded like someone had broken in and was rummaging through things. So, Lou went to find out what was going on. He got to the door, waited, and then burst in. But there was nobody in the room, just Annabelle in the corner. Had he not told them about his dream? Had they, had they not thought? Mm, creepy doll. Yeah, well, he did. So, as Lou went towards the doll, he felt as if someone was behind him. Oh, so I don't he, like this. No, he was, well, he spun round, but again, no one was there. Oh. Then he felt a searing pain in his chest and saw blood seeping through his shirt. Oh, my word. He opened his shirt to find across his chest seven claw marks, three vertical, four horizontal. Oh! Lou convinced Donna that they had to deal with the doll. Do you know, it wouldn't take me much to convince me. I'd go, yep, you're right. <laughs> it does, you do wonder why it took so long, don't you? But anyway, this time they called an expert, Father Hagen, an Episcopal priest. I think Episcopal is the American branch of the Anglican community. Okay. Or an, an uh, American branch. Okay. So Father Hagen was completely out of his depth. I thought they were calling in an expert. Yes. Well, he contacted another even more expert expert, Father Cook. And was he out of his depth or did he actually go, yep? He was absolutely and completely out of his depth also. So he called in paranormal and psychic researchers, Ed and Lorraine Warren. So they didn't actually call in experts. They called in people that were out of their depth who yes. eventually called in experts. That's correct. So Ed and Lorraine Warren met Donna, Angie and Lou and immediately diagnosed the problem. Get rid of the doll! <laughs> Should have just called me. It was, you know, in a nutshell, that was it, actually. <laughs> yes. So they told them that the doll, although not possessed, oh. it did have an inhuman spirit attached to it. Oh, that's, that, that's really kind of splitting hairs, isn't it? Well, yes, but, I, you know, I wondered that, actually. It does feel a bit sort of, well, that's kind of possessed, really, isn't well, it? Well, exactly, I mean... Attached to it... Attached, possessed. I mean, it's basically the same thing, isn't it? Yes, and it's, it makes no odds because it, either way, it was manipulating the doll to create an illusion of being alive in order to get attention. What did it want attention for? Well, it was looking for a human host. Oh, that doesn't sound good. No, well, the get rid of the doll, get rid of the doll. Well, well, the Warrens said that had it been allowed to continue for another two or three weeks, it would have properly possessed if not harmed or even killed one or all of the occupants of the apartment. Good Lord, well, how did they deal with that? Did they take the doll away? They did indeed. First, Father Cook blessed the house. He was more in his comfort zone with that one. More of an expert. Yes. And then the Warrens took the doll back to their house. Why? Why? Well, they're suckers for these sorts of things. They like it. But it was not without incident. Really? You do surprise me. No, God, what happened? <laughs> well, as they were driving home, they decided to take the back roads as Ed Warren suspected there might be trouble. What? So you took the spooky back roads rather than the nice straight well, that was, carriageway? Well, that was the only thing I couldn't understand. Whether he was thinking if there might be trouble, he didn't want to involve lots of cars on the, inter on the interstate. I, I don't know. I couldn't work that one out either. That just seemed like go the creepiest way. Yes. On the dark, um, dark, 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 the dark, windy, went, dark was windy it, was roads. It lashing with rain. <laughs> Thunder and lightning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, I'll go shiver that. 
<laughs> with a creepy doll behind them. Oh, oh! I just had this image of it peering up and then looking that's, in the rear view right. mirror. Oh. Uh, that's right. It was highlighted by a flash of light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, every time they went round the corner, the car swerved and the brakes and power steering failed, very nearly causing an accident on several occasions. Oh, my gosh. Ed took out his holy water and dosed it on the doll and then the disturbances stopped immediately. They made it home safely. The Warrens found that the doll continued its ability to appear in different rooms and showed a hatred of any clergy that visited the house. For example, a young priest called Father Jason Bradford visited them and he made fun of the doll. Why? What? Yes. Well, Ed warned him to stop and Lorraine pleaded with Father Bradford to be careful on the way home and call her as soon as he got in. And when he did call, he told Lorraine that his brakes had failed at a busy intersection and he had a near-fatal accident. Soon, the Warrens had a special glass case made for the doll and placed it in their occult museum. They, they had an occult museum, what, like, like John earlier? Yes, very similar indeed. In fact, it was John Zaffis that started his after working with the Warrens. The Warrens took in haunted things that people could no longer live with for safekeeping. Wow. We're not going to do that, by the way. Oh, no. No. So, that's the end of another spooky tale. That was a good one. It was a good one. There were two good ones there. So, the stories were taken from Demon Haunted, True Stories from the John Zaffis Vault by John Zaffis and Rosemary Ellen Guiley. It's an easy-to-read book with some fascinating spooking stories of haunted things. The Annabelle story comes from warrens.net, which is a rich website of information regarding the Warrens and their occult museum. So please do tell us your spooky tales, either in the YouTube comments or... Via email, which is thespookytalespodcast at gmail.com. And come and follow us on Instagram at thespookytalespodcast. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.